Hi, I'm Sarah, and this is the podcast version of my newsletter called Sarah by the Season, where I explore what is piquing my curiosity as I try to lean into nature's wisdom and rhythms. Subscribe and learn more at sarahbythesseason.substack.com. The title of this week's newsletter is Fracturing Our Capacity for Care, The Costs of Being Informed. In grade school, I asked for a subscription for my birthday to Time Magazine so I could keep up with the news, and I felt like reading Time Magazine was the best way to do so. I was a weird kid who was very interested in politics, history, and if nothing else, appearing well-informed among the adults in my life, who I was always trying to impress. For most of my life, it has been important to me to have some awareness about what is going on in the larger world. I hope I've mostly outgrown my need to impress anyone. Instead, it feels like a duty as a privileged white person living in America to know what is going on in my own country and around the world. In an anti-racism training at some point, the black teacher said, that it is a privilege to be able to tune out the news because it doesn't affect your day-to-day life. And that convicted me, and not just because it aligned with my existing desire to be informed. But I began to question this assumption at some point in the last few years. I think my questioning probably started after the 2020 election when I obsessively read about Trump and friends' efforts to overturn the election. I couldn't believe that so many elected officials' efforts to overturn our democracy wasn't the subject of every dinner or coffee conversation that I was a part of. I wrote about how my body felt physically different after I watched Trump leave the White House in late January 2020. Quote, my shoulders drop more completely than it feels like they've done since the middle of 2016, even though I'm sure that isn't true. My body felt the relief almost before my mind had a chance to catch up with me. End quote. I started to realize that my obsession with what was going on wasn't good for me, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. But I also didn't want to be that privileged person who decides to close my eyes to the suffering around me because I can Shouldn't I, at the bare minimum, have to pay attention to what marginalized people or people in war-torn regions or people taking the brunt of the climate catastrophe have to live with day in and day out? In the 1990s, British anthropologist Robin Dunbar proposed an upper limit of the number of people humans can adequately maintain relationships with, based on his study of primate brain size and average group size. In what has since come to be known as Dunbar's number, Dunbar contended that humans can only maintain 150 meaningful relationships before the size of the group becomes too cumbersome. According to Dunbar and many researchers he influenced, this rule of 150 remains true for early hunter-gatherer societies, as well as a surprising array of modern groupings, offices, communes, factories, residential campsites, military organizations, 11th century English villages, even Christmas card lists. Exceed 150 and a network is unlikely to last long or cohere well. I'm still making my way through the dawn of everything, and the authors offer some counter-arguments to Dunbar's number, but regardless of the exact number, it seems fairly obvious that our brains and emotional capacities certainly did not evolve to handle the sheer amount of information about other people that constantly confronts us in just 15 minutes spent on the internet. In this year alone, the war in Sudan has killed an estimated 9,000 people and displaced 5.6 million people. Casualty estimates from the Russian war in Ukraine are approaching half a million dead on both sides, and that doesn't factor in the thousands of civilian casualties and the millions of Ukrainians displaced by the war. Devastating droughts worsened by climate change, the war in Ukraine's effects on wheat prices, and political unrest have led to crises in Ethiopia and Somalia, displacing 2.7 million people from their homes and leaving 5.1 million children acutely malnourished. More than 35,000 people have been killed in the U.S. from gun violence thus far this year. Pakistan is currently expelling 1.7 million Afghan refugees, forcing them back to Afghanistan and to Taliban rule. Al Jazeera is reporting this morning that the death toll in Gaza has suppressed 9,000 people and 1,400 people in Israel since the Hamas attacks on October 7th. 
My point in rattling off all of those disturbing statistics that each reflect real human stories of trauma and tragedy isn't that what is happening in Gaza or that what happened in Israel on October 7th isn't worthy of our heartbreak and attention. My point is that we're always ignoring some atrocity in the world because there are so many concurrently going on. The climate emergency will only make this worse, and I fear the past month has shown us how little capacity we have to relate beyond binaries. People demanding our energy, voice, and actions on this specific cause while not demanding about what's going on in Haiti, for example, feels icky to me. Or for that matter, it feels incongruent to use up my time and energy to call my representatives about Gaza instead of using that time and energy to better understand what is going on with the surge in drug overdoses in Indiana and figure out how best to leverage my time and energy to help in a situation affecting my real-life neighbors. It isn't usually carelessness that leads to silence. It's overwhelm and despair. Shaming people into caring about the things you care about isn't typically very effective. Ask me about this because I have a ton of experience being on the end, giving end of this phenomenon. Claire L. Evans, writing about one of the mothers of the internet all the way back in 2018, asks, quote, how did we stop caring about the communities we created? This is partially a question of scale. With mass adoption comes the mass visibility of brutality and the offshore workers and low-wage contract laborers who moderate the major social media platforms cycle out quickly, traumatized by visions of beheadings and sexual violence. But it's also a design choice, engineered to make us care about social platforms by concealing from us those who care after them. Put simply, we have fractured care, end quote. She sums it up beautifully. We have fractured care. I'm still prone to want to know what is going on in the world to appear more well-informed and intelligent, just as I was as a young girl. It feels good to be on the right side of history, to stand up for the little guy, to feel like we are empathetic and big-hearted people. Social media feeds this desire of ours to be good and right, and it makes it so easy for us to feel like we're doing activism when I question whether we're actually doing anything by reposting memes on Instagram. And I say this as someone who reposts memes on Instagram. By fracturing our capacity for care, it makes our efforts toward care far less effective, and it leaves us ever increasingly exposed to the continual exhaustion and disassociation that the outrage cycle breeds. I wrote about this fracturing of care that characterizes so much of our culture back in 2021. I also think we probably, as individuals, need to be more focused on what fires us up. For me, it's environmental issues. For my friend whose daughter was in a school shooting, it's gun control. For some neighbors, it's discrimination on our schools and community. For a friend at church, it's the mental health crisis. I care about all of those things too, but I spread my outrage and energy too thin while I try to be an activist about too much. I'd rather go deep on one specific issue than broad on 12 issues. And with that approach, I think there's more opportunity for impact and less likelihood of burnout. Dunbar says that 150 seems to be the number at which our brains just max out. If Dunbar's number is anywhere near accurate, this deluge of information about other people that is coming at us each day that far exceeds our capacity for holding empathy for those involved, let alone grasping the complexities of the situation in question. I'm not arguing that we shouldn't care or educate ourselves about the things going on around us, but I am wondering if our capacity for care would be less fractured if we decided what our values are and used those as a barometer of how to spend our time and energy. Instead of feeling compelled to have an opinion on every catastrophe that arises, perhaps that energy would be better served by connecting more deeply with a smaller number of people and causes that we care about, instead of reacting to what the internet tells us to care about. You'll have to check out the actual newsletter for this week's Scattering Seeds, where I share things that help us lean into nature's wisdom, which you can find at sarahbytheseason.substack.com. 
Thanks as always for listening. If you know of someone else who might like this sort of thing, I would love it if you would share it with them. You don't know how big of a difference it makes to writers and creators when you share our work. Learn more at sarahbytheseason.com. And here's to looking for ways to strengthen our care in the season ahead.